Nakora, Petra, and Zoya stand mesmerized, staring at the strange, many-legged snake creature inside of one of the mountainous ruins of the planet Greece. Off in the distance, little can be heard beyond the wind whistling through some unseen hole far above, and the sound of a torrent of water from the river they had just recently crossed. None of them speak to each other, none of them say anything. The only one of them even moving is Petra, as she seemingly absent-mindedly gently strokes the top of the three-meter-long, many-legged, snake-like creature. This creature, kind of an off-gray, slightly different than the color of all the dust that fills this area. Many-legged like a millipede, but a body like a snake that serpentines its way through the dust of this dead planet. Has no eyes, no mouth. Not even any antennae or anything. Yet, none of this strikes anybody of the team that Nakora has brought down to this planet as strange. Even the often aloof member of the Union of Practical Chirurgians, Zoya, a Medicaid by training, a scientist by background, seems completely non-perplexed by this creature. The fact that no one feels anything. Nakor himself, eyes glassy through the visor of his exosuit, is the only one of the three whose eyes appear to be moving as he blinks a couple of times. Good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to One Guy, One Roll. As always, I am Hero Cities, your host, player, and GM of the podcast. Once again, we are back in the world of Ironsworn Starforged, playing as Nikora Sokolov as we explore the various locations and meet the different characters inside of the forge. Last episode, we were finally able to get away from the Brotherhood of Steel and the Aegis Hold and get back out there into the drift and do a little exploration as we attempt to undertake the number of various Iron Vows and other tasks that we have been assigned. Upon exiting from the drift, the second chance was intercepted, well, maybe not intercepted, but encountered a vessel that belonging to the Union of Practical Chirurgians, also known as the UPC, or the Medicaid Guild. In return for an offer of some supplies, Nakora swore an iron vow to the captain of this exploratory vessel belonging to the UPC in order to come down to this strange unsurveyed planet known as Greece due to its constant overcast skies and dotted remains of what appeared to be gray mountains sticking out through this overcast layer. However, upon closer investigation, these towering mounds ended up not being mountains or hills, but actually the long, long abandoned remains of some other ancient civilization, or at least they appear to be some sort of structure, whether organic or otherwise, is as of yet unknown. Upon touching down on this planet and making their way inside of one of these mountain-sized crumbling structures... Nakora, Petra, and a member of the UPC named Zoya, who joined them in order to ensure they collected the correct specimens to return back to the UPC with, set off exploring the inside of this long crumbling ruin of some ancient civilization. And inside, it turned out to be almost an entire self-contained ecosystem complete with hills, valleys, and even rivers flowing through. 
As our last episode came to an end, the team came across a creature that had been making these tracks through the ubiquitous gray dust that covers this planet. A strange, snake-like, multi-legged creature with no eyes, no mouth, no sensor, apparatus, or anything. However, the entire crew has become mesmerized by this creature. Petra even treating it like some sort of beloved pet, absent-mindedly stroking the top of its strange rubbery skin. Since this episode is more or less a continuation of last episode, we didn't really have a proper intro beyond just the little scene that we saw, so the last thing we have to do is roll on some of our clocks. Since it hasn't been a very long period of time, I think it's very unlikely either one of them have progressed anymore. No, and yes, as on a 0-8, which is not an extreme yes. So our second clock does progress somewhat. And with that out of the way, let's get into it. The passage of time is already something that's very challenging to detect on this planet. Everything is kind of the same shade of matte gray, including this creature, slightly off from the dust, just enough to be able to detect it. But grays dominate the landscape. The sky above, well, outside of the gray structures of this building, with the gray dust, the gray murky water of the nearby river, the gray rain falling outside. Hard to tell how much time has passed as Nakora and his two companions stand or sit transfixed by this creature, seemingly eyes not blinking, open staring glassy, only Nikora occasionally blinks. The only passage of time we have is that of the suit's gauge, the Geiger counter, the amount of radiation it's currently soaked up, slowly and steadily increasing. Has it been minutes? Hours? It's impossible to tell. Perhaps the light has gotten a little bit darker. Perhaps it is nighttime outside, but that is nearly impossible to tell. Nikora blinks again and again. More time passes. Perhaps it gets a little bit darker. Perhaps his vision is fading. That radiation counter on the suit climbs a little higher. A bead of sweat trickles down the side of Nakora's face. And we are going to attempt to secure an advantage with resolve. Roll plus heart, which is a one. Well, we rolled a one, and our challenge dice were a five and a six, respectively, which is a miss. On a miss, you fail, or your assumptions betray you. Pay the price. So Nakora's face... That bead of sweat trickling down the side kind of blinks a few times. His eyes begin to dart around and lock onto the creature. And you can almost see this glassy sheen come back across his eyes again as he stares at the creature, slack-jawed, a little bit of drool coming out of the corner of his mouth. In this case, our suffer move will be to endure stress. We will take minus one to our spirit, bringing it down to two. And in this case... There's no way for Nakora to attempt to resist it. It's all internal in his head. As more time passes, the radiation counter still slowly yet quickly ticking up. The sense of time slowly progresses again as it starts to darken almost instantaneously as the time seems out of flow, out of sync. Things are off in this place. At least they are under this state of mind, mesmerized intoxicated by this strange, wriggling, serpentine creature. As the darkness begins to swallow up the three of them, we get one last kind of good look at the creature. Petra still idly stroking the rubbery membrane of this creature. 
It's almost an illusion. It's almost like it can't possibly be true, but the creature itself is, appears to be bigger. It appears to have grown ever so slightly, seemingly betraying any sense of physics or biology, but it's definitely bigger than it used to be, or Petra's hand has gotten smaller. This thing, which has no mouth, no eyes, no sensory organ of any kind, is growing, and still, as the gray dusk, no color at all to the sky, no change in shades, no dimming on the horizon, this gray, monotonous landscape just takes on more of a dark shade as the world inevitably turns and nighttime falls across this long, abandoned, and deserted landscape. His will having been battered down, his mind being shook, not broken yet, somewhere far down a tunnel at the end of this dark, gray, grainy landscape. Norcor can almost swear he hears something, a buzzing like a mosquito, a buzzing. Sir, sir, are you guys all dead? A voice in his ear. The buzzing continues and then stops. For some amount of time, the silence remains. Then the buzzing comes back, a little more insistent this time. Nakora, do you read me? Hearing his name, at least, he thinks it's his name causes Nakora to blink, and blink again. This buzzing in his ear, he doesn't know what, who it is. It's just this buzzing, like an insect, an incessant insect. His mind once again slowly drains. Why does he care about this insect? It doesn't matter. More time passes. It's almost, but not quite, pitch black inside of this colossal ruin. Whatever life might have once lived here, whatever creature or species constructed this, no artificial light remains. The gray just gets ever more black, further drained of what little color there is in this place. Merely the faint blinking glow of the suit's lights and the fuzzy glow from Zoya's wrist-mounted computer, the only illumination in the area. What was that buzzing? Nakora has a thought for the first time in an unknown amount of time. Why did that buzzing feel familiar? Then it comes back again. A voice. What? A voice? Not a buzz? Nikora, this is Tinker. Come in, Nikora. If I don't hear from you soon, I'm going to have to fly around and try and find you guys, and then I'm leaving. Tinker? The one word goes through Nikora's mind, and more sweat beads off of his face, down from his brow, furrowed like the canyons that make up this artificial landscape. Nikora is going to attempt to break through whatever domination this creature has. Once again, this will be with resolve. Roll plus heart, except we're facing danger. With our plus one, we rolled a three, and our challenge dice were a one and a four. I need to think about if I want to burn my momentum here. We already have a plus nine in it. I don't think so. So on a weak hit, you succeed, but not without a cost. Make us suffer move minus one. We already know that's going to be towards our spirit, which brings it down to a one. With the droning voice of Tinker somewhere off in the background, Kor's face scrunched, fighting against whatever has this mental hold on him. Nakor's hand slowly begins to twitch, and then slowly move down towards the holster on his hip. It takes what feels like eons, fighting against this overwhelming mental force, making little gains, and then this feeling of apathy, this feeling of nothingness, keeps himself focused. 
slowly inching towards his goal. The hilt of Stubbs, the pistol grip shotgun. Slowly but surely, his hand closes around the grip. And in the failing light, with the gray darkness setting in, and with one last push through, we'll make one more face danger roll. But this time, with iron, we need the strength and endurance to push through, draw stubs, and take a shot at this creature. On our challenge dice, we rolled a 10 and a 2. On our action dice, a 6. Our iron's only 1, but with that, a weak hit. Once again, we take another shot to our spirit, bringing it down to zero. And this time, since our spirit is zero, we have to roll plus spirit or heart, whichever is higher. Our heart, of course, is one. We rolled a five on our action dice, a six. Our challenge dice, a one and a four, gives us a strong hit. We will shake it off. If not shaken, take plus one spirit, which brings us back up to one. So even through this, mental determination, this fighting inside of his own head against his mind and body. Nakora feels the comfort, the familiarity of this pistol grip on Stubbs, the shotgun, pulls it out and blasts away at the creature, the muzzle flash lighting up this desolate gray landscape. And without waiting a beat, pulls the trigger again, letting loose another shower of metal shards towards the creature. Although the first shot missed the creature, The second shot strikes home, embedding into the side, piercing through the strange carapace or membrane that covers the outside of it. And the whole creature pops like some big, nasty, gray zit. And the goop, or the mucousy insides, splatters all over the area, covering Nakora, Petra, and Zoya in this gray, goopy interior from the creature. This effect seemingly shakes Petra and Zoya out of their stupor, while at the same time, Nakora collapses to the ground, mentally drained and physically strained after his mental struggle against the overwhelming will that this thing was inflicting upon them. Completely unaware of the passage of time and what had happened, both Petra and Zoya are shocked by the darkness that now envelops the area, and their burning eyes from not having blinked. Petra's arms soar from the same repetitive motion for untold hours that have passed in this area, while Nakora, mentally completely drained, fills them in on what little details he remembers of the ordeal. Then he remembers the faint buzzing noise in his ear. Tinker. He needed to radio Tinker and let him know that they're okay. Tinker. Tinker, do you read me? This is Nikora. Tinker, please tell me you haven't left yet. A long... Pregnant silence as Nakora shoots a worried look towards Petra. Uh, this is Tinker. I haven't heard from you guys in a while, and I was just about to leave. Well, come look for you, probably. Nakora sighs and fills Tinker in on what occurred, at least the parts he can remember, and using the light built into his suit, tries to survey an area where maybe Tinker come pick them up, and there's really no good flat areas around here. In the meantime, Zoya has been poking around inside of the strange creature and taking readings, seemingly not disturbed at all by the disgusting mucus goo covering them. Petra has been looking down at herself in disgust and over at the creature and is seemingly drained as well by this ordeal. Uh, sir, Zoya says after poking around inside of the creature and scooping out what remained of the mucus. Uh, I think that we found what we came here for. 
this strange and previously uncatalogued creature has the exact bone structure that we're looking for. In fact, its bones are primarily composed of the organic material we're looking for. And given the size of this specimen, I would say that this is more than enough. Rooting around inside of their tool bag, they produce a bag that they stuff what they can of the corpse of this alien creature into in order to return it back to their ship. A gorgeous size, and the whole lot of them make their way back to the second chance, which gets us two more boxes filled on our iron vow to recover the bones for the UPC. Once back aboard, Tinker looks at them with disgust covered in this gray goop. You see, sir, this is why I don't go on away missions. Nikora kind of looks back at him slightly cross. Next time, don't be so ready to leave us here, Tinker. Remember, you're a member of a crew now. We don't just abandon each other. Tinker kind of shrugs. If you did die, it's not like you could yell at me. Not really having much of a comeback for that. The three of them doff their spacesuits, get decontaminated, and prepare the ship for return back to the UPC. As he's completing his pre-departure procedures, Tinker comes up to Nikora. Nikora, I wasn't actually going to leave you guys. I was going to come out and try and find you. Nikora kind of shoots a side eye towards Tinker. I didn't know you were a pilot. Tinker kind of shrugs. I guess I'd have to learn how to be one. I do know how to start this thing up. Nikora kind of laughs a little bit. Forget it, Tinker. I know we don't know each other that well. I wouldn't expect you to stick your neck out for me yet, but you are a member of this crew. Remember that. You don't have to come with us on these missions, but we do expect your support. Tinker nods, his old, withered face betraying no emotion. I do have some good news, sir. Nakora raises an eyebrow. Were able to fix Chance? Tinker shakes his head. Didn't even look at him yet. However, the thing you have down in the cargo hold, the brain, jar brain, brain jar, whatever you want to call it, the abomination is called Subject Alpha, Petra chimes in from her normal seat, and it should be destroyed, but she glances back at Nikora. The captain thinks that he knows it better, and thinks it can be useful for us. Tinker simply shrugs. Look, I'm not here to argue the merits of such a thing, but I think I figured out the problem with it. Nikora and Petra are both silent, waiting. There's an issue with the, I don't really know what to call it, but the device that attaches to the brain thing appears to have malfunctioned. I need more parts. I can't fix it, but I think I can figure out how to fix it. Can't promise you I won't damage it, but I'll do my best if that's what you want, sir. Nakora, with a glance over towards Petra, nods his head. As long as you don't damage it, Tinker, there ain't another one like it. One of a kind. And with that, we have a little pie chart clock, four pieces to fix Subject Alpha. And we're going to fill one of those in. This one doesn't require a roll. This one's a freebie. And that is the first little chunk of that pie we have towards getting Subject Alpha back to its interesting self. Finalizing the start procedure and lifting off from the dusty floor of this long abandoned ruin. The swirls of dust and debris clouding the air around the second chance. Cora flips on the landing lights to illuminate the area, and they slowly pick their way out of the ruin, successfully having recovered the bones desired by the UPC, and at least verifying that they do in fact exist down on this planet. If the UPC wanted to launch a bigger recovery mission, that was up to them. Upon returning back to the UPC vessel, Nikora and Zoa meet with the master who is in command of this vessel. Now we complete the vow.
When you reach the end of your quest, roll the challenge dice and compare to your progress. We have eight boxes filled. That was close. We rolled a four and a seven on our challenge dice, giving us a strong hit. Your vow is fulfilled. Mark a reward on your quest's legacy track per the ring. This was dangerous, giving us two ticks. These are the first two ticks we get on our quest legacy tracker. We really haven't been doing a whole lot as far as fulfilling legacies is concerned. We have two ticks for quests, two ticks for bonds, and one tick on discoveries. Nothing on our background vow yet. The UPC master aboard this exploratory vessel is thrilled with their discovery. And Zoya gets very excited in helping to explain what happened, including the possibility of there being a whole number of these creatures with nothing really stopping them from harvesting them as long as they can figure out how to deal with the mental capacities of the creature. New creature, undiscovered planet, full of the alchemical reagents I guess they need, makes for a very happy Medicaid. So without any question, they fulfill their end of the bargain and help to restock the second chances med bay with supplies and maybe even a few extra just for good measure. So that will allow us to resupply, make the resupply move. Unfortunately, this was more or less a barter. We have to roll plus heart on the resupply move, which is a one. We did roll a four on our action dice, which is a five and a seven and a one on our challenge dice, which is a weak hit. But in this case, we're going to take that nine momentum we have and burn it. I want that supply. So that brings our momentum down to two. And on a strong hit, choose one. Take plus two supply. Or if you're in need of a specific item, acquire it plus one momentum. We're going to take the plus two supply, bringing our supply up to three, which isn't great, but isn't bad. So with a well-stocked medbay, a good interaction with the union of practical chirogens behind them. The second chance pulls away from the larger vessel. After securing an idea of where they actually are in the Kosos flow, these guys were very happy with the results and were happy to share their data about this relatively unexplored section of the sector. They really needed the chance to kind of rest and recover a little bit after that last expedition down to the surface of Greece but they weren't invited to, and one doesn't simply invite themselves to stay aboard a guild ship without an invite. However, as they pull away from the exploratory vessel, Nikor and Petra sit up on the bridge, with, of course, Tinker back down in his maintenance room, preparing the engine for entering back into the drift. Need to make a decision about what's going to come next. They have a couple of options before them. Of course, our original vow was to return the memory core of Subject Alpha back to Creed. We also have the vow we swore to Petra to return Subject Alpha to her family. We also have that Brotherhood of Steel vow, which is still like 22 and a half months away. Or can always set off blindly into the drift on our own and see what happens. Petra and Nakora sit there staring out at that gray, desolate ball, and without looking back at him, simply murmurs, Thanks for what happened down there. I don't really know what happened, but it seemed like you saved me yet again. I'm in your debt. Nakora looks up from the ship's navigation computer. Petra, you're part of my crew. I ain't gonna leave you behind. Hell, just a month ago I was alone. I had no one. I was just drifting around aimlessly taking jobs. It ain't no thing. Petra kind of turns her head to look back at him. It does mean a thing, Nakora. I've never really had anybody I could trust. 
I certainly don't know if I can trust you, but it's starting to feel that way. Don't disappoint me. I'm too tired to... And she lets that thought kind of hang there between them. Petra, what are we going to do about Creed? She looks back at him. We have two options, Nakora, that I can see. Well, three. One of them I'm not doing. I'll let you choose the other two. We can attempt to dupe him with a fake, or we can abandon it. I know you have this strange sense of honor around these vows you make on that chunk of ancient metal you keep around your neck, but we could just move on, forget about him. Nakora kind of slowly shakes his head. It ain't that easy, Petra. You, there's a, it's hard to explain to someone that doesn't believe in the power of the vows, but you can't just walk away from something like this and not feel something. There's always a cost to abandoning one of these vows. Also, we need the money. We're kind of running on the ragged edge out here. That thing we encountered on that dead gray planet. Draining. It's very draining. We need a chance to rest and recuperate. And I'm not one to just let the engines run out of fuel and be stuck out here drifting along, alone. No, I won't do it. Either way, we need to return to Creed. We need to get paid. Maybe we can figure something out along the way. I have a feeling it's going to be quite the journey to get there. And with that, our scene fades to black. Thank you, thank you so much for listening to One Guy, One Roll. It means the world to me that y'all take time out of your day to listen to this podcast, and I hope you enjoy listening as much as I enjoy recording it. As I said, having been back from being out of town, it is my intention to hopefully be able to keep up the pace of recording and editing and publishing these episodes for y'all to listen to. This one had a little bit of a different narrative style, I think, than I've been using for the past few episodes, a little more focused on individual scenes instead of just a running narrative. And I think I kind of like that, but it's going to, of course, vary depending on what's actually occurring. Either way, if you've enjoyed listening and you wish to provide a little financial support to help me not only pay for this new computer since my old one exploded, but also keep me well stocked with coffee, I do have a Patreon set up over on patreon.com slash one guy one roll. No pressure at all to go check it out if it's something you're interested in, but I do greatly appreciate all the support given to me by my backers, especially Journeyman Wes and Journeyman JL. Thank you so much, you guys. Really appreciate your contributions. Besides that, thanks to all of the rest of y'all for listening. I, as always, have been your GM, host, and player, Hero Cities, signing off. Have a great day and stay safe out there, y'all.